Welcome. I'm Asa A, and this is The August Light, a podcast about my life as an actress and entrepreneur, which technically they're the same thing, but I digress. <laughs> Join me weekly for candid discussions about Black culture, growth, self-care, business, education, and a whole bunch of other sh- Oh, and I have a lot of amazing friends who'll be joining me in all my nonsense. There's no telling what will happen when the mic comes on, but I promise it'll be entertaining. So get comfy and enjoy the light, the August light. Today on the August Light podcast, we'll be talking about therapy. Uh, Speaking with us today, we have Michelle, who is a master's clinician. She received her master's from Northwestern in clinical mental health counseling, and she's a national certified counselor. She focuses on anxiety, depression, and grief therapy. She is also working on becoming a certified sex therapist and is currently sex and kink friendly. But we'll have to have her back to talk about that, okay? (laughs) She works with uh, older teens and adults. So welcome to the show, Miss Michelle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you, love. <laughs> I'm excited. I've known her for a minute now, and she's a joy. Um, oh, I like that. I'm going to put that on my, like, on my business <laughs> card. She's a joy. See, I can't, look, this is why I can't compliment you. You fool. Uh, <laughs> I said thank you. You don't know how to act. <laughs> you might be right. All right. So we're going to just jump right on into it. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> So the reason we're talking about therapy, because in the Black community, it is a stigma to go to a therapist, okay? Um, A lot of us don't like to do therapy uh, just because we think it's basically telling all our business, a variety of reasons, but we're going to get into that. Me personally, I've never been to therapy either. It is a stigma in my family. I've talked about getting therapy with some of my family members, and it's like, nah, I don't need it. But really, they do need it. We ain't going to talk about that right now, though. (laughs) So we're going to get to this today. And we're going to ask, you know, Miss Michelle a couple questions. And then at the end, we're actually going to do a little mini therapy with me because we're going to do my first therapy session live. Oh, deep breath it then. Had to deep breath that. I have to. We'll start that out. We'll start that out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With that context, though. Uh, we're going to start off with what is therapy, though, because we do have a um, a misconception, I believe, in the Black community about what exactly therapy is. We just assume that it's going to tell someone our problems. And we're like, we don't need to tell them about our problems. They ain't none of their business. I don't need no help with nothing. I'm fine. You know, that's kind of a common thing. So I'm going to let you go ahead and break that down for us. So on on some levels, yes, therapy is about having someone that you can tell your problems to. But the difference between, like, say, therapy and your your good, good girlfriend that you, you know, rent, event to, therapy is also about learning and being able to change. Um, so there's a framework behind the talking. So, like, sometimes you will hear therapy described as the talking cure. Because really, it is a lot of, like talking for the client or for the counselor, depending on what type, but it's more than just, hi, here are my problems, give me advice. It's more of a, hi, here are my problems, please help me learn how to solve them. And please help me learn how to be okay when I cannot solve them. Mm, Okay. Yeah. I think in our community, we need like a lot of knowing how to solve our problems so that we're okay. Uh, But why do you think 
there is this stigma that exists with therapy in the Black community? Um, I think that it is part of a larger problem we have with what I would call like the medical complex in general. If you know a little bit about history, you'll know that people of color, Black people, we have been unfortunately sometimes mistreated by the medical world. Um, I'm talking about the Tuskegee, like um, I'm talking about the Henrietta Lacks of the world. And we have this mistrust of the system. And I hate to use, but the system, that's how we sort of view it. And there once worth the time, if you tell the truth about what's going on with you, it could have trouble come to your door, right? Mm-hmm. And that thought of going to a doctor and being honest and telling them all your business is scary. Yeah, because in this country, it can get us in a lot of trouble. It can. And, and now I, th- I think it's a lot of healing that needs to happen. But I'm just, it's like, where do we start with that? Where do, how do we overcome this barrier uh, as a people to get to the point where we feel comfortable going to seek help? going to a place where we can actually feel comfortable telling people our problems so that we can heal because we need healing as a community. We need a lot of healing. That's a word. That's a word. word. It's like, ooh, especially after the year we had last year and um, the, uh, the, all the protests and speaking out about Black Lives Matter, how it just reached a peak last year. There's so much healing that needs to happen. And I think therapy is one of the ways that can happen. So I'm just curious, what what barriers do we need to overcome as a community or as a country or in, just in general for us to get to that point where we can heal? There are a couple of steps, but one of the first ones might be just recognizing and accepting that how you're living is not okay. Yeah, like, are are you are you thriving or are you just surviving? And unfortunately, as a people, we've we've made surviving look good Mm, don't we black women especially yeah we make we make pain look real good Mm -hmm. um so that's one thing being able to admit that no i'm not okay no we are not okay some other barriers might be visibility Mm -hmm. and speak on that when you mean visibility if you don't see it how do you know it because when you think about the most common, if you say, tell me what a therapist looks like, they're going to tell you it's this mid, middle-aged, old white man who's sitting with the notepad while you lay on a couch and he's judging you. But we don't all look like that. I promise I don't look like a middle-aged white man. <laughs> you don't sound like one either. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I keep trying to get that fixed. I just can't seem to make it work. I mean, I mean will it, are there advantages to be a middle-aged white man in, in therapy? I don't know, you know? I mean, so it could be an advantage. Middle-aged means you've lived and you've learned some things, but it also can mean that you've, um, you're ingrained in some bad behavior. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying we that's a whole nother conversation you know that right it is <laughs> it's a, so Ooh. different Ooh. but <laughs> right the thought is you have to be able to see yourself mm-hmm. right see yourself you mean to see someone that looks like you that you can connect to right yeah like that you can basically trust honestly as black people I'm gonna speak by myself personally when I'm looking for a doctor in general I always look for a black doctor I'm not yeah. going to lie. I, I always look for a Black doctor. If I could find a Black woman doctor in any field, whether it's general practice, dentist, eye doctor, OBGYN, I'm going to find me a Black doctor. 
because as somebody that I feel like that can connect with me. So I feel like therapy is the same way. But do you think that there is enough? I mean, I know a lot of Black therapists, personally. Is there enough out there where people can actually find someone that they can relate to and connect to that they would feel comfortable going to? Or um, is there still a problem in it? So it depends. So I talk about privilege a lot. And we have to recognize the privilege that you and I have where we we live in a place where Black excellence is not an exception. It's the rule, right? And so I grew up here and the thought of not having Black professionals or anything like that, was, that would be strange to me. Mm-hmm. But for that, that Black family, that's the only Black family that live in their subdivision in the middle of Omaha, sometimes it's harder to have that representation or conversely, for the family that is not living be- above the poverty line, mm. the ones that are struggling, sometimes it's harder to see role models or see people who look like you in these professional okay. set- settings or like a doctor or a lawyer. So sometimes it's harder. So ultimately it comes down to really a two-factor discrimination. It comes down to like, you know, color barrier, race, and it becomes uh, economic, like, Mm-hmm. Whether or not you have the money or funds to even have access to something like this, to even see someone like this in your community, to know that it is an option, that we do exist. And that has to do with representation as a whole. I feel like when I'm, when I'm thinking, when I hear that, when I say that out loud, it's like more representation in the media as well, a better representation of us, a depicting us as Agreed. whole humans. Representation matters. <laughs> it matters so greatly. Seeing somebody that looks like so you uh, and acts like you and talks like you in uh, media and just in person and makes a big difference in how you grow up and, and experience this world. It does. It's really important. Speak on what is Therapeutic Alliance. Okay. So all of that about how you representation matters and how you need to be able to connect with someone, especially to do the type of work that you do in therapy, um, that's all under the umbrella of Therapeutic Alliance. That's about the relationship between therapist, counselor, whatever you call yourself, and client. And research shows that it is one of the most important factors when it comes for change. Enabled mm-hmm. In order to like facilitate change, the most important thing is the relationship or the alliance. And one of the easiest ways to like start broaching that like trust is for the person to look like you or to share characteristics with you or common culture common language those types of things yeah we definitely need that now another thing that I know about therapy and that I think of um, before we get into my session (laughs) I need you to not with that tone of voice you like listen listen if y'all could see my face Y'all, if y'all could see my face, I'm not gonna say this is something easy, okay? Just this is hard, but I feel like you know, if I could do it, then you know, it might encourage some other people to do it. But with therapy, people are always worried about can they trust them? You know, we've been talking about that, trusting them, um, do they feel safe? And so, it comes brings up the question of what is a therapist's uh, confidentiality to a patient? Like what, like how much confidentiality do therapists and patients have between each other? And what are their exceptions to that rule? Because there are, there are always exceptions, there are always right? Exceptions. There, nothing, nothing is 100% uh, definite. I don't believe in 
like definites for the most part. Like it's hard to say that this will never ever happen, you know? Right. Right. And I um my profession is definitely first of all it's the study of human behavior. Mm-hmm. So human behavior is as varied as like some animal behavior. <laughs> So let me just tell wait, you. Wait, did you just, <laughs> I guess yes. we, are, we are animals. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying that a lot of our behavior, un- unlike unlike like certain species of animals, they're born, they they eat, they procreate, they die. We have so many other like things. We have belief systems and we're the only, pretty much the only species that can be jealous. Like we have all these different things and motivations. Right. So our behavior can be varied. That's why my job is as much an art as as it is a science. We're going to come back to that after you speak on the confidentiality. I'm I'm really curious how therapy is an art and a science. Okay. But we're going to come back to that real quick, though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about the confidentiality part. Okay. (laughs) So, um, therapists, psychologists, counselors, we are all under what we call HIPAA laws. Mm-hmm. which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. We'll say that five times fast. It was... Try, try it again. Try it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we call it HIPAA, okay? No one says all these words. But anyway, it was signed into law in 1996. So some of us are older than it, but mind your business. And it talks about, it's like a federal law. So we have national standards to protect sensitive patient health information from being disclosed without like the patient's consent or knowledge. So that means as counselors, there are certain things that we we do not share without your consent. Um, so what you say to me in therapy most likely will not be shared. Now, I will say this, um, every state has their own confidentiality laws for lawyers, doctors, whoever. So every state might be different, but they all kind of go with these four things. Um, mostly what you say to your therapist will be confidential, except for in the case of if you are a threat to yourself. Mm-hmm. So that means like if you if you are having suicidal thoughts or ideation and you have plans, means, and all of that types of things. Um, if you are a danger to others. So if you come in my office and you say, when I leave here, I'm going to shoot my ex-wife. Please don't shoot your ex-wife. But if you leave and say that and you say, here's the gun is loaded, I am duty bound to call the police because you're a danger to someone. When you're a child, if there is pure like thought or evidence of sexual assault or abuse, I'm supposed to break confidentiality. So maybe it's, it's five things now. I'm thinking about it, not four or five. If I am subpoenaed by the court, I will have to break confidentiality. Although in those cases, we try to give as little information as possible. And the the last one is if you are a therapist or a counselor and you are under supervision, like I am, which means I work with a team, sometimes confidentiality will be broken there, although it's more about behaviors and helping make sure your treatment plan is correct and all those types of things. It's never, here are the direct quotes from my client today. That's not how it happens. Okay. So people Mm -hmm. know that they are protected uh, to a certain extent when they do go um, speak to a therapist. They should feel pretty comfortable knowing 
that as long as they ain't doing nothing illegal or crazy, that y'all are not going to tell on them. Basically, and also, this is a pro tip for anyone who is listening. If you are thinking about starting therapy and say you go to a therapist's office for the first time and you don't sign consent paperwork or they don't have a package that tells you how you can, like what they will do with your information, who they're going to talk to and how you can stop this or how you can complain. If you don't get paperwork that has some stuff like that, run. Okay. Are there any, oh wait, that, that brings up a good point. Are there any other red flags that people should be aware of when they're going to therapy? Like seeking a therapy? Um, Red flags is harsh, but what I will say is all therapists are, we're human first, right? Yes. So I want my people and people in general to know that it is okay to fire your therapist. Oh, amen. It's okay to fire anybody if they ain't doing a job or what you need. To right, do. right. But they should be paying them. Right. So, but people, what happens is they get dazzled by all these letters behind our names and all these like licenses and all those things. But the truth is, if you cannot connect to your therapist, then it might that therapist might not be a good fit for you. That's not saying therapy is not for you. You might need to find a different therapist. Okay. All right. I, I hear you on that. Now we got to go back to, like I said, we're going to come back to it. Therapy is as much as an art as it is a science. So I'm just curious. What makes therapy an art? The thing that makes therapy an art, really going back to that relationship, that is an art. The art of being able to listen, the art of being able to speak in a way that your client can like understand, the art of being able to read like nonverbal body language, that's an art. Being able to connect and, and empathize with your client, those things are arts. It's not just hippy dippy feelings, although those are great too. I like that part. <laughs> um, but it's also what techniques can I use with my client to help them heal? I mean, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. So yeah. it's that time now. <laughs> it is that time. And um, I'm need y'all keep me uplifted in prayer as I go into this 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 session. But basically what I'm gonna do is I'm going to hand this over to Michelle so that she can basically guide me through a therapy session. And I'm not really sure what to expect here. I didn't really ask a lot of questions about this. So this is the fun part of the show. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) taking a random thing and we're going down, you know, a, a rabbit hole, maybe, you know, but I'm about to do it. So... Michelle is now in your hands. Take us through where do we start here with this therapy? Okay. So first I want to let everyone know that the first session is typically the most time consuming because typically don't look like that. (laughs) I wish y'all could see her face, but no, typically that first session is like getting to know you stage right mm-hmm. so that would that could mean that your your therapist is asking a lot of questions you're filling out paperwork and we're doing things like um treatment planning like what what do you want to get out of therapy goals like that right so this is real this is gonna be real condensed 
Oh yeah, this is uh, the, I should mention this is a really mini session, okay? Yeah, this is real brief. This is not a full therapy. Is usually about an hour long uh, session, right? Um, yeah, typically an hour long session. Sometimes we do two, but typically individual counseling is about an hour. Ooh, so we're gonna condense it. So the first thing I want to do is just say first hi and thank you for being willing to do this. You're welcome. Okay, so um, I typically start with a scaling question. Um, just tell me how you've been for the past few days. One being like, I feel like crap, this is awful. Ten being like, I just won like $10 million and I'm so ecstatic and so excited. I just, I just need to like praise dance or something. Damn, that's pretty good. Over the last few days, I would say I've hovered around maybe somewhere between five and eight, just because some days have felt mentally draining uh, for me over these last couple of days where I've had to do just a lot of work. Um, and that's coming from just building all the things I'm building. The podcast uh, and a candle line, my acting career, just working and then still having a social life of some sort in, as much as you can in a pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll say between five and seven is where we are. There's been some some really good days, though. So that's why I kind of have to balance it between the five and seven, because there's some days where it's just been like, ah, this is amazing. You know, life's great. Okay. So you, you're telling me that you've been having some really good days, busy, but good. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling overwhelmed, Denny? I wouldn't say overwhelmed. Is overwhelmed the same as tired? So sometimes where you just like, uh, and it's not like the actual... I'm sleepy tired. It's just like, you want to just, uh, I need a rest day where you just need to just breathe. Rest days are important. Yeah. So I think, you know, a Sunday was a rest day for me where I was just like, you've been going, you've been giving a lot of your energy, just rest, chill out. Don't do too much. So I don't really think I allow myself to get too overwhelmed. I'm one of those people where if, if I feel like I just need a break, I've, I'm okay with taking a break. I know how to just be like, eh. I'm checking out for a day. Okay. <laughs> Put my phone that, on, do not disturb. <laughs> that's good. So what you're talking about is you're, you're creating healthy boundaries for yourself, which is important because if when you don't create boundaries, you get overwhelmed, burned out, resentful, and none of those things are things that we want. That is something I've been working on, putting in boundaries. I don't know if people have noticed, <laughs> but <laughs> boundaries have been put in place. So, Well, I will say this about boundaries. The people you have the healthiest relationships with will understand and respect your boundaries. But the people who can't seem to get them, typically, they are the ones that you need the boundaries for. Understand? Yeah. So tell me tell me what else is on your mind. That is such a broad question. Oh, man. It is. What else is on my mind? Currently, or just we talking in general, to think about what else has been on my mind and to share it. I challenge, I challenge that with the thought that it's not hard to think about what's on your mind. The hard part or the challenging part is the sharing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but what I've really been doing, so I'll just share what I've been doing, uh, basically, so that, I mean, because that's the most current thing that comes to mind. It's just really a lot of uh, mindset work and boundary setting and really doing a lot of, a lot of deep dives or like if something comes up, that triggers me in some way or is interesting in some way, I'll kind of deep dive and talk through or write through where that comes from. 
Okay. That's good. It's like what we call processing. So that's really good that you're able to connect with yourself and get it out there. But I'm wondering, is there a problem for you connecting with someone else and getting it out to someone else? I would say that is something I, last night, I actually just realized that that is something that it, that is something I'm working on and trying to figure out. I don't know if it's connecting with people. I think it was more of being surrounded by people who are supportive or it's it's just weird. Um, I know people are supportive. It's more like receiving their support and and acknowledging it and allow myself to fall into that support. It's like, I want to be, or I'm in groups where people have similar connections, but I'm not really, I'm, I'll just say this. I'm an introvert. I don't really like actually talking to people. So doing this podcast in general is, is, is a challenge. So being a part of groups, unlike Facebook groups that have common interests, I'll probably look and lurk and just kind of see what stuff is, but I don't ever really engage. So it's kind of hard to just take that leap to post something that may be helpful to someone else where I may end up getting that support and that connection. And part of me is just like, well, the introvert of me doesn't really want any more connections because I have enough of those and they can be draining (laughs) to to create these new relationships. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It it makes sense. Um, It sounds like you have connections already and Mm -hmm. being an introvert, it takes a lot more what we call, well, someone to say spoons or capacity for you to make these connections and foster them versus like someone who is extrovert and they've never met a stranger. But while you were talking, a thought came to me and I just, if you don't mind, who was it that taught you that you couldn't trust people? Pinpoint that one, I would definitely say my dad. What it turns into is when you grow up with a single mom, it turns into the mom as well. Because I don't believe that a parent can be both parent. And so at a certain point, you have to become independent in a sense, in a way that uh, you shouldn't have to early on, where you end up feeling like you can't trust anyone. So you just do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a combination of that dynamic. You got some good insight. So what you're talking about. I told you you I deep dive on myself. Yeah, you've you've been you. So that means good for you. A lot of people would not be able to answer that question I just gave you. Mm. You're teaching that little girl brain, that little girl, that this big, this big person, I can depend on them and trust them to not betray how I'm feeling or what I need. That was deep. That was like the first time I've ever heard anybody put it that way, where you can trust yourself. You can trust yourself. And that is something else I recently deep dived on in my mind where trusting myself to fail, something I've been trying since the start of this year and end of last year, really trying to get rid of that perfectionist mindset where I feel like I have to get everything right and I can't make any mistakes or fail, even though I do make mistakes and I do fail, but fail at things that are meaningful, fail at things that are, I guess, on a bigger scale where I'm not sure how I would recover from them. Even though I know I'm resilient and I know what it's like to fail and I know that I can recover from it, but it's like finding a way to allow myself to really just lean into failure and mistakes Mm. and trusting myself. And I guess it's like trusting yourself, like really trusting that uh, 
either someone's going to be there to catch me or I'll be there to catch me or I'll pick myself up and it's not the end of the world. So let me ask you a question. You ever heard of the Wright brothers? Orville and Wilbur Wright. They are the inventors of the airplane. Awesome. But the truth is they barely had any plane to ever fly successfully. They, but they kept at it, and every time they would make an airplane and it didn't work, they'd start over and they'd make another airplane and then they'd make another airplane every time fixing the problems. So you have to keep building and trying things in order to figure out what the problem is to fix the problem. Yep. Fail smarter. And also... Notice I said there were two brothers, which means Orville wasn't doing it by himself. He had Wilbur. Wilbur wasn't doing it by himself. He had Orville. Why? Because they trusted each other. <laughs> she just made the most stankest face at me, y'all. Like, Nobody asked you. The point is, find the people that you can trust, that you can lean on, and Nine times out of ten, you already know who these people are. We're just going to sit at that? hmm I think that sums it up. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thankful I didn't cry. <laughs> All therapy sessions are not you crying. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, sometimes you will leave therapy feeling empowered and, yes, and I feel so strong. Sometimes you'll leave in tears like, I feel like crap. This is awful. But sometimes leaving feeling like that means that you touched on something. This work is hard work. But before we get out of here, do you have any resources that you want to give to people that they should check out? Any links to like finding um, particularly Black therapists? So the first one, the one that I always tell people about, especially women of color, is um, therapy for Black girls. And I love Therapy for Black Girls because it was started by Dr. Joy Bradford, Joy Harden Bradford, say all the names is important. And she is a Black doctor or Black um, therapist who wanted to decrease the stigma of mental health care, especially for women of color. And so her, she has a podcast, she has Um, a website where you can go and read helpful articles, but she also has a directory of Black therapists, specifically Black female therapists. So if that's something you're into, it's there. Okay, what about for our Black men? Because you know, they they need it too. They do need it too. I recommend Psychology Today as well. Psychology Today is like a website in a magazine. And the thing I like about them is they will talk about mental health care in a way that is understandable. So like they're not esoteric about it with a whole bunch of different words or jargon that the normal person who didn't spend so much money going to grad school for to know what these words are. It's just so much money. Anyway, I digress. Also, if you have been paying attention to Raji P. Henson, has a foundation that she has been offering free therapy to Black men, which is important. So being focused like that, I think is a great thing. Okay, so those are the three great resources. All right. 
We'll definitely link that information in the show notes as well so that y'all can easily find it. Y'all don't have no excuse on why you don't know where to go or how to find help. What we about here on the August Light Podcast is I'm going to give you access, but you still going to have to do some work. Um, you know, I, I can't spoon feed everything to you. You no. still have to go figure out some things for yourself because getting better, healing yourself, being a better person, doing that inner work, that, that mindset work, you really have to work at it. It is work for yourself and you got to seek it and do it for yourself. So we're going to give you the resources, but you still going to have to go and figure some things out for yourself. All right. I like that. And one last thing, Miss Michelle has a podcast as well with her friend, Drea. Do you want to mm-hmm. shout that podcast out or do you want to just leave that off? Boo? We can shout that podcast out, but I need y'all to know that that's not therapist Michelle over there. Y'all just, it's just me and my good girlfriend. But we talk about stuff like this too. We some fools. That's what Asa tells us. <laughs> y'all some two whole fools. And a, See? And a half. <laughs> and a half. We done <laughs> It's an extra half a fool running around. Yeah, but um, the name of our podcast is Life 401 Advanced Shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, that word. Mm -hmm. If you know how to spell it, come on and find us. You'll be able to figure out how to spell shenanigans, okay? You can. We are, where are we? We're pretty much everywhere podcasts. You can find them. Um, We're Spotify, YouTube. Come talk to us on YouTube because you make comments and we comment back. I promise. So make sure you check out their podcast. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And as always, it has been nothing but joy and a pleasure to spend this time with Miss Michelle. Thank you for your help. Thank you for busting my cherry therapy. Cherry therapy. I don't get to do many of those. You don't get to do many of those. Okay. Uh-uh. So we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll actually have her back on another time to talk about sex therapy. I think that will be another really fun one. Uh, just know that that next one, when we do sex therapy, I ain't going to be in the hot seat doing no therapy session. Okay. <laughs> just so y'all aware, this is a one and done thing. Okay. Uh, I don't really know if I'm going to seek therapy after this. Oh, don't say I did it that bad. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, try to figure out, you know, my life, you know, how I felt about it. It's a lot to process. Therapy, I I do feel like it was helpful because I got some gems from her. So, yeah, it's like math. How is it like math? I don't even want to know. And we just go in it on that note. We not gonna just, indulge that. I was just making connections. That's I don't. All I'm saying. I don't see the connection. We gonna leave it at that. I don't know what she's talking about, <laughs> but this this it. We done. Come back next week for another enlightening episode. If you were entertained or inspired by this show, tell someone about it. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review about it somewhere, anywhere. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the August underscore light. Oh, and join our club, the August Light Talk on Clubhouse, where we will be hosting follow-up discussions.